Misfits. Happy holidays. Welcome back to the Misfits and Mysteries podcast. You guys know by now, it's your weekly podcast where we talk about everything from psychology and history to aliens and cryptids and everything in between. So we are your hosts, Emmy. And Steve. So Steve, how was your weekend? It was good. It was a nice relaxing weekend, you know? Yeah. Well, what's going on? We're supposed to have a snowstorm this week. Yeah. I'm excited. I love the snow. We're going to have a big snowstorm. So we're not supposed to get much snow this year, they're saying, except for along the I-95 corridor, which is exactly where we live. So that's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So that's going to be really fun. I love the snow. I mean, it's going to be a fair amount of work to like plow. And snow in New York City kind of sucks. That's going to suck for you because it kind of melts and just turns disgusting, like brown from all the smog. (laughs) But the good thing is... I get my groceries delivered. I work from home. I have no reason to leave my apartment. <laughs> so I can literally just hunger down. Yeah, so that's pretty nice. So yeah. I'm actually really excited for that. I love a good nor'easter, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, it gets um, you in the Christmas spirit too. Yeah, exactly. So I guess in terms of big announcements, so for next week's episode, that's the week of Christmas. And because of the holidays, we want to release early. So our episode is probably going to come out on Tuesday and Wednesday, the latest. So just look out for that. It's going to be on a different day just because we figure people might not be as inclined to listen to podcasts on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. So we want to give ourselves a break and put the episode out at a more opportune time for our listeners. And you guys didn't listen to us on Thanksgiving, so we're trying something else. <laughs> yeah, I know. Please listen to our Thanksgiving episode. It is Barely about Thanksgiving. Barely. And it was a pretty good episode, I thought. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. And it wasn't that related. So come on, guys. Give us a break here. It was a stretch anyways. But I'm glad that you guys were spending time with your family and not listening to Emmy and Steve on Thanksgiving, to be fair. And you should have been. But I mean, (laughs) we'll give you a break. (laughs) Just this year. Next year, no excuses. No excuses. So what's on the docket today, Emmy? So we are going to be talking about weird Christmas traditions from all over the world. Nice. Um, Each of us have a couple. And then, of course, we're going to go right into Kid Nation episode six. And just a nickname for this episode, I'm calling it the episode where they're really, really mean to Taylor. Oh, my (laughs) God. Well, he had it coming, though. We'll get into it, but she 100% deserved being dragged through the mud and just slandered i literally wrote down this is the taylor show now i know the last thing i'll say before we start is having this on tape if anyone sees this this is the worst indictment against her if she has a job interview question and they ask about teamwork (laughs) because he is not a team player let me tell you what she was 10 she was 10 (laughs) yeah i hope she's changed we'll get to that later so we also have a trailer this week because we're starting to do that we're going to be promoting our good friend kian's podcast wide atlantic weird so look out for that it's a great show we highly recommend going and listening to it we had a lot of fun going on it so listen to our episode especially Mm-hmm. absolutely all right wanna hop on into the episode now let's do it let's do it so now that we're back We're going to dive in to some weird Christmas traditions from around the globe. I mean, I imagine there are a bunch of weird ones in America, but 
that's for another Christmas episode. Yeah. And we're going to start off with what I have titled a poop filled Christmas in Catalan <laughs> because there's not just one, but two poop themed Christmas traditions in the Catalan region of Spain. And we've been hearing about this breadcrumbs of this story yes. the past couple of weeks. So I'm excited. Yeah. So I actually didn't even know about the first one. So the first one is cagatillo, which translates into poop log. Classic. Yes. So in Catalan, it is a tradition that during the Christmas time, you feed this log, your food scraps, and then he poops out presents after you beat him with a stick. You feed it to a log? You feed the log presents, and then on Christmas Eve, you beat it with a stick until it poops out presents. Wow. Yes. And it's actually like a tree log. Yes. So the cagatillo is a real log that has a happy face painted on one end. It normally has two front legs made out of twigs, and it wears a traditional Catalan red hat called a baratina. Tien. All right, hold up. I'm going to send you a photo of this. You got to see it in the <laughs> chat. I'm scared. No, it's actually really cute. Oh, that is cute. Yeah. It's not really like poop. It's just, it's present. The log isn't the poop. It poops out the present. So that's why it's the pooping log. You first bring your cagatillo into your house on December 8th, which is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And the children are really excited when he gets brought into the house. They're like wrapping up in blankets, place him under the tree, and they take care of this log as if it's a real pet. And the idea is the more you fatten him up, the happier he'll be and the better the presents will be. And food? Yeah, you feed it your food scraps and then it poops out presents on Christmas Eve. Sounds like it would get pretty nasty in there. (laughs) I didn't do any research on whether or not they clean out the cagatillo, but if they don't, that could be a nightmare. That could smell like so bad. Yeah, unless you're, like, composting or something. Yeah. And then on Christmas Eve, the poop log gets its last meal, and then the kids will go into the other room and pray. Then the parents put a blanket over its, uh, I guess its butt, if you will, and then they literally beat the shit out of it until it poops out presents. (laughs) And they sing songs while they do it. So I found two different iterations of songs that children will sing. This is their English translation. They sing this while beating this log, this cute little log. First is poop log, log of Christmas. Don't poop salted herring. They are too salty. Poop turns. They're much better. Oh my God. And then version two. I didn't purposely use shit. This is just what (laughs) the other version I found said. Shit log, shit nougats, hazelnuts, and mato cheese. If you don't shit well, I'll hit you with a stick. Shit log. Oh my God. And children, they teach this to children? (laughs) Yes. And they sing this while beating it with a stick. That is violent. And then when you lift up the blanket, there's usually presents, right? Mm -hmm. And typically you get this nougat type candy called a turin. And what happens is you keep beating the crap out of this thing until all of the candy is out. And then apparently sometimes... Do you put sardines or herring in it? Ew. What I was wondering is, do you think it's like a can of sardines? Or are they just shoving like loose sardines up this thing's butt and make it poop oh, no. out? It's like a 
fishy poop pinata. That is so gross. That's dis- literally the grossest thing you could put in there. <laughs> and then after you're done getting your treats, you throw them into the fire. After you're done getting your can, you don't eat the candy? No, no. After you're done getting the candy out of the log, you throw the log in the fire. Oh, my God. This poor log. I know. I know. You fatten it up, you beat it, and then burn it. What did the log do to anybody? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The history of the uh, Cagatio is not well known exactly where it originated from or like how we got to a shitting log. Mm-hmm. But according to Lindsay Patterson of NPR, who actually discovered this pooping log while she was studying abroad in Barcelona with a host family. So according to her research and talking to people in Barcelona, like uh, at universities and experts. So the Cagatillo was a pagan tradition celebrated during the winter solstice in rural village of the Catalan. Uh, the Catalanes would choose a large tree trunk that they'd light on fire and a bonfire, and they'd burn it throughout the winter to honor it as Tio de Nadal. And at some point, no one knows exactly when, the tradition evolved into a tradition of families finding a log in the woods, covering it with a blanket, and caring for it inside the house until it was time for Tio to, quote, give back, and they would burn it. But then somewhere along the way, the tradition turned into you take care of it, and then you beat it and make it poop out your candy. <laughs> but no one quite knows when it started doing that. Oh, my God. So <laughs> yeah. No one knows where that came from. So they know, like, the origins of it, but no one knows when people are like, yeah, what if we start singing songs about poop and beating it with a stick until it gives us candy? Oh We're not God. really sure when that started, but it started at some point. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was much different than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And the next is El Caganir, which, if you speak Spanish, literally translates into the shitter. <laughs> this is also in the catalan region of spain so el caganir is a small figure or a man normally dressed in peasant's clothing and wearing the traditional baratina hat again and he is depicted in a squatting position with his pants down so you can see his butt and behind him is a little pile of poop on the ground okay and you place this guy in your nativity scene Mm-hmm. and it's like a little game of hide and seek so like you move it around and then the kids have to try and find him oh okay yeah. what does the poop have to do with it so actually the reason that he poops is that this originated in a region of catalan that's very heavily dependent on farming right mm-hmm. so fertilizer and poop is sort of like the lifeblood of their community so they sort of viewed this poop or fertilizer as fertilizing the grounds in the nativity scene, which ensured that the following year it would have health and peace of mind. And this is because they were just poop and fertilizer were just so ingrained in their cultures. Yeah. We quote, Shitter is believed to have entered the nativity scene by the late 17th or early 18th century during the Baroque, Baroque period in Spain. Mm-hmm. And so in modern times, Rather than them just wearing peasants' clothing, you tend to find them dressed as, like, pop culture figures. They highlighted one that was Putin taking a shit, and there's also Trump taking a shit. Oh. And they have, like, all the Marvel and DC characters. 
So it's become like a pop culture. Yeah, it's become a pop culture thing, but it originates in rural farming communities. Hmm. Oh, holy shit, this one's $2,000? It's $2,000? There's a nativity scene that's $2,000. I'm going to just send you a picture of one. This is on Amazon. You can purchase this. They're all handmade as well. Okay. I don't yeah. know if I would pay for that necessarily. I don't think I would either. Oh, that's Could funny. Nativity scene? Yeah, you put it in your nativity scene. It seems a little sacrilege, doesn't it? Yeah, I imagine that the uh, Catholic Church isn't too pleased with this tradition. <laughs> the shitter. <laughs> yeah, that is the shitter. And I don't know much about Catalan, but... I, if I had to guess, I think they're into poop. Sounds like it. Jeez. Yeah. At so, least in Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> I think they need to change their diets up if they're pooping that much. So I feel like a lot of people have heard of this legend with the German pickle in the tree. Had you heard of it before, Steve? No, I actually had never heard of a pickle in a tree. Oh, really? I was going to ask you about that if you uh, had heard of a pickle in a tree because I certainly hadn't until I saw it on that list. Yeah. Well, I never really knew the significance of it, but I feel like I've always seen like little pickle ornaments in people's trees and never. That's so funny. So the tradition goes that it's like this super old German tradition to do that. You would hide a pickle deep in the family Christmas tree Mm -hmm. and the parents would hide it after you had like put all the other ornaments on the tree on Christmas Eve. And then in the morning, the kids come down and the first kid to find the pickle would receive an extra gift from St. Nicholas. Oh, wow. And if you were the first adult to find it, you would get good luck for the rest of the year. Wait, for the rest of like that year? So like five days? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) the coming year (laughs) seriously they should have really specified the uh terms and conditions of that one yeah seriously (laughs) well and then also are the adults looking alongside the children that doesn't seem fair yeah because don't the adults hide it yeah but i don't know that's what it said on (laughs) the internet so just out of curiosity is that normal for people to put the ornaments up on christmas eve my family's always done it well in advance yeah, we do it well in advance too, but I feel like back in the day when all this first started, it was a Christmas Eve thing. That's true. Also, people used to put candles on their Christmas trees, so I imagine you don't want lit candles and uh, evergreens. That's like so dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you don't want that going on for an entire month. Oh my god, yeah. I actually just got my first ever Christmas tree this year in my apartment. Ooh, is it a real one or is it a uh, plastic? It's a real one because at home... My dad's allergic to Christmas trees, so we always had a plastic one growing up, but this is my first real tree. Really? You've never had a real tree before? I've never had a real tree. Did you cut it down yourself? I did. Where'd you go? It's exciting. I was out in Long Island. Ooh, I never gone to Long Island to do it. I've just gone to Upper Westchester. Yeah. Well, it was very exciting, and now I'm scared that I'm going to kill it. Just water it uh, every day. Yeah. don't put it near any electrical outlets or like anything that can flame because those things are very flammable. Yeah, that's that's the big concern. Yeah, we're now a uh, a fake tree family because 
like your dad, I am allergic to Christmas trees. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I was always the one who had to water my Christmas tree. (laughs) And I would just get an allergic reaction every single goddamn time. And then eventually, I think when my siblings were in college, I finally was like, enough is enough. I'm done with this (laughs) shit. I'm not watering your tree anymore. You're getting a fake one. We've had a fake one ever since. It works well. I mean, my grandparents used to have a fake one, but growing up, we used to go make it a, like a day out of it, you know, yeah. go up to the Christmas tree farm. It's, I chopped down the tree. When I'm, when I'm an adult and I have kids, I'm going to definitely get a real tree and just suffer. But yeah, I'm very excited that I could finally get the experience. Yeah, it's really fun. I'm surprised yeah. you've never done it, especially because you're from upstate. I know. I just, we could never have one in the house, so... But anyways, a <laughs> little bit of a tangent there. So the very interesting thing about this German folklore, because as I said, it's kind of a thing now where like people buy pickle ornaments and mm-hmm. put them in their tree and hide them in America. But I found this article that said the tradition may not actually be real mm-hmm. because some anthropologist or journalist or something went through all of these records and couldn't find anything about the pickle. They interviewed all these people. No one had heard of it before. So it was kind of like, you know, what's going on here? And Mm -hmm. for a while, the theory was someone made up this tradition to sell more glass ornaments of pickles, Mm -hmm. which is like pretty genius. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing. So I also read an article about this as well. And they said something like only 8% of the German population like had even heard of this glass pickle. Yeah, <laughs> which is so strange. So there was this woman, Rita Mace Wilson, who is a journalist for the Germany for Visitors Guide. And she spoke to everyone trying to figure out what the actual origins of this story was. And she found this man who is the descendant of a soldier who fought in the American Civil War. Mm -hmm. But he was born near Germany. And he wrote home to tell his family a story that had to do with a a Christmas pickle. Mm Mm-hmm. So the story was that this guy, John, was captured and put into prison in Georgia. And he was starving, like really not doing well. And he begged the guard for a pickle Mm -hmm. as like his last dying wish. And apparently the guard gave him a pickle. And by some miracle, the pickle just brought him back to life. I mean, they're really hydrating, so if he was dehydrated. Yeah, I mean, not many calories, but... Definitely hydrates you, though. Yeah. It's an electrolyte, pickle juice. So I guess it gave him the strength to live another day, and he was able to write to his family. And then he actually went home, and his family made a tradition of hiding a pickle in their Christmas tree. Hmm. So they think that's where the tradition came from, which is cute. That is cute. Interesting, too, just because everyone thinks that Germans do this, but they really don't. Yeah. Like, it could have just been that one guy. <laughs> oh, it definitely could have just been that one guy. And someone's marketed it really well. Yeah, apparently. I bet it's a combo of both. I bet they found out that guy who's loose ties to Germany does it, said old German tradition, and then 
boom, it became an American tradition. Yeah, boom. So actually, in a similar vein, we're going to talk about KFC for Christmas in Japan, which is the opposite of that, where something that is not an American tradition became what the Japanese believed was an American Christmas tradition. (laughs) So over the past 40 years, KFC has managed to make fried chicken synonymous with Christmas in Japan. There is an estimated 3.6 million Japanese families who eat KFC during the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. And they have millions of people weather long lines, order fried chicken, and they order it weeks in advance. And there's carrying on this tradition. So following the period of austerity following World War II in the 1940s and 50s, Japan's economy started to explode. Like it got real big. Mm-hmm. And they finally had money to spend on things and were like globalized or yes weren't isolationist anymore and because the u.s like the cultural powerhouse at the time and we also occupied japan the japanese were really in to western fashion food they took a lot of trips overseas Mm -hmm. and during this period of rapid globalization the japanese fast food industry expanded about 600 percent between the 70s and 80s so that's a lot right it went from nothing to 600 percent larger yeah so kfc opened its first store in Nagoya, Japan in 1970, and by 1981, the chain had opened 324 stores, and they were making around 200 million U.S. dollars a year. That's incredible. Yeah. So, before all this, actually, KFC was super unsuccessful in Japan, and the first person to open one there, Mr. Takashi Okawara, Mm-hmm. He was the first man to open up a KFC in Japan. And basically, he could have been like a managing partner. He's now the CEO of KFC Japan, right? Mm-hmm. And he decided he wanted to be a store manager and own the place, run it, learn the business inside and out. And he was a total failure to start, right? Like he lost his home. Things were looking really gloomy. So what happened is he was able to convince the Japanese populace that KFC was a traditional American Christmas meal. Okay. So there are a few theories for how he did it. I'm going to get into the actual truth of it at the end because it's more fun to speculate. Yeah. So part of the reason this was so successful was that only about 1% of the Japanese population currently is Christian. So the holiday is very much secular. Mm-hmm. And by the 1970s, so few Japanese people had christmas traditions in 1974 kfc launched its super successful marketing campaign called kentucky for christmas oh my god and basically takashi okawara who is the ceo now of kfc japan and is the one who invented came up with this has been accused of falsely marketing fried chicken as traditional american christmas food for japanese people to try and drum up sales. Definitely what he did. Yeah, but it's actually a little more interesting than that. We'll get into that in a sec. But official statement of KFC Japan was that Okawara went to a Christmas party dressed as Santa Claus, and the kids loved it so much that he saw a business opportunity, which is so vague and such a clear PR PR statement. Weird. Yeah. And then in another interview in 2017, Someone who's just a minister of for KFC in Japan claimed that a foreigner wanted fried chicken delivered to him in a Santa costume on Christmas, and that's where it caught on. And 
Other sources claim that the execs simply overheard that Westerners want a replacement for Turkey. But what actually happened, what Mr. Okawara finally admitted in an interview, I think it was in 2019, was that what happened is he was broke flat on his ass, right? Yeah. And he was trying to figure out anything he could do. And he was bringing KFC dressed as Santa Claus to kindergarten, right? Mm-hmm. And the kids loved it. And then another kindergarten hired him to do it. And it kept going from there. And then it sort of just clicked in his head, like, oh, my God, Christmas is going to save this company in Japan. Basically, in the 70s and 80s, there are these popular ads that would show family enjoying a luscious feast of golden fried chicken with the song Mild Kentucky Home playing in the background. And (laughs) the Japanese people legit thought that was a Christmas carol because they didn't know any better. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. And basically, the ads positioned KFC as, quote, an elegant, authentic way to celebrate a true American Christmas. That is so funny that that's how they think of us. (laughs) I know. Because they were consuming Western media and they saw that turkey was the traditional meal that you ate, what they did is they had to, like, position it as fried chicken is actually an alternative to turkey that Americans eat. Which is just not, yeah. I mean, I imagine some people probably do eat KFC or fried chicken, but at least in the Northeast, that's not the case. I mean, maybe somebody somewhere, but like, that's not what people eat. That's not like. Yeah, I know. So they're also saying that the reason that it caught on isn't just because of this amazing marketing campaign. KFC is also really similar to some of the stuff that they already eat in Japan. Mm-hmm. They, I forget what exactly it was called, I didn't write it down, but. It's very similar to this meal, that, this type of food that they eat. That's basically this breaded fish. Hmm. Yeah. And then, so what you do is the Japanese, when it's Christmas time, they buy a big bucket to share. And it has things like, obviously, all the chickens. It has shrimp, coleslaw, and it's meant to share with a big group of people. Yeah. That's how Japan started eating KFC for dinner in Christ- on Christmas, at Christmas. <laughs> that's so interesting (laughs) yeah i know just how it got so construed from what we actually do here i know it's really funny i mean what do you usually eat for christmas because i actually don't eat turkey i think i only really eat turkey at thanksgiving i don't really like it that much we basically have thanksgiving on christmas like it's the same food pretty much that's very a lot of people have ham yeah, we we used to do a Christmas ham on like Christmas Eve. I've always been interested in this because my mom's side of the family is Armenian. I always do Christmas with them. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what Americans eat. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing with Thanksgiving. It's like we do the turkey, but then it was like nothing else about it was American. So I've always been curious about that. Like what do Americans eat on Christmas well, time? Yeah, so I my family just does like Thanksgiving for Christmas, but on Christmas Eve – Everybody's coming in from out of town usually. I mean, not really this year, but everyone's coming in from out of town. And my mom doesn't want to cook a huge meal because she's going to be cooking all day the next day. So Mm -hmm. we just get Chinese food on Christmas Eve every year. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's what like Jewish people do on Christmas Day. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah, no, that's interesting. We either do a ham and like a mac and cheese type deal. Or uh, when we first got this house and moved... We had a big group here, and we just got lasagna from Arthur Avenue, which is like a better version of Little Italy in the Bronx. 
Mm, nice. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. Anyway, your turn. What's next? So this next one, Steve, is roller skating to mass in Venezuela. That sounds really fun. <laughs> I know. And you know that over quarantine, I have gotten really into roller skating. So this is very exciting. I, I'm very aware of that. <laughs> yes. That's for everyone who doesn't know, that is my like quarantine hobby that I've picked up. And now I do it every single day. So Yeah. I picked up fishing. <laughs> Before though. I did, but I got really into it. Emmy yeah. is a roller derbyist. I hope to be one someday. Yeah. I hope to actually do derby. But right now I just skateboard myself because <laughs> COVID. You might want to put on some masks before you roller derby though. It's pretty aggressive. I know. Well, of course it's not open right now. So mm-hmm. time to start hitting the start hitting the gym, bulk up. Yeah. Bulk do some up. steroids, maybe. I know. I'm <laughs> Gotta get ready. Probably gonna get broken in half. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. So there's this town called Caracas in Venezuela. And in this little town, it is customary every Christmas to ride your roller skates to Christmas Mass. That's like really fun so much fun just like with your whole neighborhood like everybody's doing it so how it works is the children go to bed Mm -hmm. with a piece of string tied around their shoe and they leave the other end dangling out the window so i guess this only works if you're on like a first story window Mm -hmm. yeah i imagine being third story yeah no one's gonna see it so when the roller skaters roll past they tug on the shoestring and so the children know that it's time to get their skates on and get to mass Mm -hmm. so it could become this popular in venezuela because 70 percent of the country is catholic so everybody's going to mass on christmas it feels like yeah and it's become so popular that in this town they actually close the streets until 8 a.m. So families can skate there safely. That's nice. Isn't that cute? Yeah, that's fun. And it's interesting, too, because Venezuela, you know, I was reading this article about how Venezuela's had a lot of issues recently with just, you know, they have a very controversial government and mm-hmm. it's, you know, everybody's fighting. They've had a lot of, like, economic issues but it seems like every time this day rolls around like people can bring it together for one day and like put on their roller skates and get to mass oh that's really nice then so it's at least like they get they can all agree for one day exactly it's something to bring people together all skating to mass i mean like even in wars in the past like world war one i don't know World war two but world war one the soldiers literally had a ceasefire and the Germans and like English people played soccer for a day. Yeah. They were killing each other like the day before, but a Christmas spirit just got the best of them. They all worked together. Oh, it's really like the giving season. I know. And then they went right back to killing each other the next day, yeah. which is sad. So sad. And the cool thing about this too is in South America, it's their summer. So mm-hmm. it can be 
literally like up to 90 degrees on Christmas. So you can just ride your skates through the town and like it's super nice out. It just sounds like so much fun. That is nice. I guess you're not getting a white Christmas though. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, but they never do. So probably not used to it. That's very true. So that's pretty much it. But I thought it was pretty cute. Yeah, it's really cute. So the next one we're going to do. Uh, for me is Donald Duck on Christmas Day in Sweden. So every year in Sweden, around 40% of the country's population gathers around their TVs on Christmas Eve to watch Donald Duck. (laughs) And every year since 1959, at 3 p.m. on the dot on Christmas Eve, the 1958 special, the American translation is Donald Duck and his friends Wish You a Merry Christmas is screened on Sweden's main public TV station, TV One. And for decades, Sweden only had two TV channels, right? Yeah. And this time of year is the only time when the people of Sweden could watch Disney animated movies or American cartoons on the TV. And this tradition has stuck from there. So and everyone probably, it was probably like such a treat. Yeah. And it's like they watch the same special to this day. Every single year. Oh, that is so cute. I know. And this tradition is like super ingrained in their cultures. At 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve in 2016, cell phone usage data throughout the country of Sweden dropped 28% during the duration of the program. Because everyone was just watching Donald Duck? Yeah. And even emergency services dropped 16% in terms of like data usage and calls. Wow. Everyone just got together with their families to watch Donald Duck. That's another thing, bringing people together. Yeah. And then according to it, this is an interview I read with this guy named Jeremy Stahl. He said, quote, the show's cultural significance cannot be underestimated. You do not tape or DVR Kala Anka. I guess that's what it's called in Swedish for later viewing. You do not eat or prepare dinner while watching Kala Anka. It's like you watch it live as a family. There's no yeah. noise. You just get locked in together for the duration of this and this tradition goes on everywhere it's like a big deal like it's a family thing right yeah it's the one time a year where everyone just puts down what they're doing gets together with their family and then watches donald duck i wonder if they have commercials during it that's a really good question i wonder prime time i know that would be imagine the commercials from like way back in 1959 Mm mm-hmm that's pretty cool. So the reason it really got popular as well is, so in the original one, they had Walt Disney come out because he was still alive in the 50s, right? And he would do a little thing, like have a little like talking thing. Then they'd show clips from all the latest Disney animated movies and stuff. And they still do that to this day, only they have an actor playing Walt Disney. <laughs> yeah. You get to watch Kalianka and some clips from the latest Disney movies cute yeah i love it that was a cute one so what's next for you so this next one is shoes in the czech republic shoes okay (laughs) that was the best title that i could come up with women in the czech republic have this superstition that they do Mm -hmm. every year around christmas time yep where they take a shoe and throw it mm-hmm. over their shoulder. And if the toe of the shoe points towards the door, 
it means that they're getting married soon. Ooh. So very cute and fun. And I like this one because it reminds me of something that my family actually always did in the fall, like after we would go apple picking. Mm-hmm. So every year we'd go apple picking and we still do it to this day. Go apple picking and then all the girls, I have two older sisters. So my sisters and my mom and I would peel the apples to go into the apple pie. And mm-hmm. what you would do is get like a really long peel yeah, and throw it over your shoulder. And whatever letter the peel looked like when it landed on the ground was the first initial of the person you were going to marry. That's cute. Isn't that cute? Yeah. I feel like there's not a lot of variability with that, though. There's a lot of J's. I feel like there's going to be a lot of C's, J's, and S's. Yeah. And (laughs) we did it with my niece for the first time this year. She's going to be seven this month. Mm -hmm. And we did it with her, and she was so freaked out about it. She's like, well, well, how does it know? How does it know? And (laughs) it's fine and like hers ended up as a p and one of her friends names is parker so we're like "Ooh, parker oh my god no (laughs) so embarrassed that's too funny yeah i mean there's not much to that one but i liked it because it reminded me of my Mm -hmm. family tradition that's nice the next (laughs) thing we're gonna cover is the swiss version of santa claus Samichloss and Schmutzli. So sure you're in, nailing that pronunciation. Oh, I guarantee the Swiss people are like, wow, that's a 10 out of 10. Wow, I, I can't even pronounce authentic. these impossible names that well. <laughs> so Santa Claus in Switzerland is very different than in America. So Samichloss arrives on December 6th and brings a bag of edible treats for the children who have been good all year. He wears a hooded red cape and a long robe, so he looks like an elderly version of Little Red Riding Hood. Uh And he arrives alongside a donkey. And Shemichlaus brings, like, the shittiest gifts imaginable. He's a poor man (laughs) Santa Claus. He brings the good boys and girls either a mandarin orange, some gingerbread cake, chocolates, or unshelled peanuts. Interesting. That is not, that doesn't sound fun. Yeah, he's not fun. And he doesn't come from the North Pole. He doesn't have flying reindeer. Rather, he has a normal donkey and he lives in a modest house in the woods. And families line up to go to this house to meet him and get their kids like shitty Christmas presents. Oh my God. Do yeah. they not get any real presents? If I'm not mistaken, I think they might get real presents on uh, Christmas Day. But this guy comes on December 6th. And you can also hire him to come into your house. That's so, like, crazy. there are a ton of pictures online of people with Santa Claus in their house with them. Hmm. And then he has a buddy named Schmutzli. So, he <laughs> is a rugged-looking guy. He wears a black cloak. He has a hood up, really big facial hair, beard. But he's, like, covered in soot. And he wears all black and he goes around with them. And if you're a bad kid, he swats you with his broom 
But apparently, according to the articles I read, it's all in fun. So he beats kids with a broom, but it's all in it's a, it's it's all, a goof. Don't even worry about it. It's a goof. Don't yeah, exactly. Don't even worry about it. It's just a goof. And <laughs> so Sam Kloss, what he'll do is when he talks to the kids, he basically grills them about if they've been good or not, and then makes them reflect on what they can do to be even better next year. Wow. So well, they they're really sw- going through some some self-reflection. Yeah. Or they get swatted with a broom. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, Switzerland's version of Santa Claus. It's so funny hearing about all of those different Santa Clauses. We've I covered know. a lot of them. We have Von Trapp, Krampus. Belschnickel. Semiklosh and Schmutzi. The and Yule the, Lads. The Yule, yeah, the Yule Lads, all 13 of them. It's really fun. I love these pagan traditions. Hold up. I just thought of something. I never checked to see if the uh, gavel goat has been burned down yet. <laughs> Gotta give them a break this year. Come on. Yeah. yeah the gavel bakken or the gavel goat hasn't been burned to the ground yet. Gets your gavel goat update, everyone. Has not Someone's been still standing. Still standing right now for the time being. So in Guatemala, they have a lot of weird traditions, actually. Mm-hmm. But the biggest one is there's this day called the burning of the devil. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they spend the entire week before Christmas making their house absolutely spotless. Mm-hmm. Because locals believe that the devil and other evil spirits live in the dark, dirty corners of your home. Mm-hmm. Therefore, my apartment is just covered in the devil, apparently. Ooh, you might want to get that exercised. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So they spend the entire week before sweeping up all of their gross stuff and collecting all their garbage. Mm -hmm. And then they put everything in a huge heap outside their house. So it's like all the gross shit from... Uh From the corners of their house and they put it out on their front lawn or i guess in the street then on top of it they put a pinata of the devil <laughs> <laughs> and they just set it on fire wow so they set it on fire and actually interestingly enough in guatemala they do not wait until the morning of the 25th to start christmas mm-hmm they actually start on Christmas Eve. So all the families come together for a Christmas dinner. They chat, they have fun. And then when midnight finally goes off, they set their shit on fire, (laughs) do some fireworks. It's almost like a New Year's type celebration. That's really fun. Sounds really fun, right? Yeah. It's almost like a block party. Like everyone just goes outside and is like lighting stuff on fire. And then. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. You celebrate all into the night. Yeah. That sounds like a really fun time. So I guess they can't do that this year, but. Yeah, I mean. Going out into the street and stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah. The idea behind it is again that like, you know, there's the devil in like the dark dirty corners of your house but Mm -hmm. also by burning stuff that isn't needed in the house anymore you get rid of any negative energy or any like leftover space Mm -hmm. to 
quote, prepare and cleanse the soul in preparation for when baby Jesus is born. Yeah, that's cool. So are hoarders like seen as the devil there? <laughs> it must be. I mean, there's got to be people who are dirty there. There must be. Maybe if they spend the entire week just cleaning up one time a year. Yeah, I mean, and after a week, like your house has got to be spotless. I can't imagine there being any reason to do that. Well, like it actually is kind of hard to keep your space actually clean, like cleaning the toilets and dusting. Like Mm -hmm. you don't realize how how much you actually have to do. I know. You can always just not do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's how you get bugs when you live in New York City. That's why you got to clean your kitchen. Yeah. You clean up when there's food involved. Also, it's unsanitary. Yeah. I don't have, like, gross food hanging around. That's, like, unacceptable to have food hanging around. You got to wash your dishes. My biggest issue is, so I'm really, really good at washing dishes. I hate drying dishes. I do, too. At home, I live at my parents' house now, so I have a drying rack, and we have these two drying mats, and I will fill up every goddamn square inch of the drying mat (laughs) and drying rack before I even consider drying a dish or a utensil or anything. I just hate it. I don't know why. I really kind of enjoy cleaning things, but I absolutely hate drying. That's funny. I mean, my whole thing is I just kind of hate doing the whole dishes process. Mm -hmm. Because it's like after you cook – and then you spend, you can eat dinner in like 10 minutes and then you have to get back in the kitchen and wash it all again. That's why you got to wash as you go, Emmy. I know, but you can't wash everything. You obviously can't, but yeah, you got to gotta wash as much as you can as you go. Yeah, it's, it's not my favorite uh, part. I'm a, I'm a big dishes guy. Good for you. That's mm-hmm. a good quality to have. Yeah. All right, so I guess that sort of wraps this up. I guess actually one thing I was thinking of is, you ever thought about how weird it is that in America we go to a mall and then sit on a stranger dressed as Santa Claus's lap and take <laughs> pictures of him? <laughs> that is really crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've never really thought about that, but it's really weird. Did you ever watch A Christmas Story? Which one is that? It's like two little brothers. It's is, like is that the one where the guy shoots his eye out with the, with yeah, the yeah, yeah. Red Rider? Yeah. Yes. My family watches that every single year, sometimes like more than once. And <laughs> do you remember the scene where they're on the mall Santa's lap? Uh, not real. I saw it when I was a little kid. I, oh. I remember what happens. I don't really remember it. Yeah, so they go and they, like, wait in line for, like, hours to get up mm-hmm. to Santa, and then he's just so mean, and he, like, sends them down a slide, and they don't end up getting anything that they wanted, <laughs> telling him what they wanted, and it was just, yeah, it's tragic. That's funny. My family always watches Home Alone. I love Home Alone. Home Alone is a good one. Yeah, I watch it every Christmas. Do you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. The Christmas special is the funniest fucking episode ever. I don't remember. Which That's one. the one where Frank gets all lubed up and hides inside of the couch at his company Christmas party. Oh, yeah. And then Charlie bites Santa's neck because he finds out that his mom's a whore and was fucking men dressed as Santa and thinks that Santa Claus is fucking his mom. 
Yep. <laughs> that is that one was of, so weird. That was one of like, the funniest episodes that they ever created. <laughs> well, I actually just recent because I've watched the whole series like three times through. I've watched it like ten times at this point. I love that show. And I just found out that there are two seasons I've literally never seen before. Where, really? Which two? The last two. Oh, the most recent ones? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're good. They're pretty good. I felt like sometimes the ones that didn't have uh, Dennis in them, I felt like weren't good. I don't think I've gotten there yet. All right. Transition to the next section. Hi, folks. Kian here. From the Cabin in the Woods, located somewhere in the wilds of West Cork, we bring you the Wide Atlantic Weird Podcast. It's an Irish podcast about why people believe weird things. Each episode, I open a book from my Library of the Strange here at the cabin and explore a real-life story of hauntings, monsters, UFOs, and conspiracies. I research all stories using first-hand accounts whenever possible to take a critical look at whatever the truth may be. If you'd like to join me at the cabin for a story, make sure you have a beverage at hand and search for White Atlantic Weird wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to your visit. So you guys should go check out our friend Kian. We love his podcast, White Atlantic Weird. It would be awesome if you guys checked him out and subscribed. He's one of our good friends. Yeah, his podcast is a lot of fun. Yeah. So let's get into episode six of Kid Nation. Why don't you start us off, Emmy? All right. So this episode is called Bonanza City is Disgusting. <laughs> And it is disgusting. It is disgusting. So, I had no idea how gross it was. Yeah, it's really gross because, of course, these kids don't know how to wash their dishes. There's trash everywhere. Ugh. It's just actually disgusting. So, and, you know, this is the first episode with the new leaders. Uh-huh. Well, Gylan and Zach replacing Mike and Taylor, respectively. Yes, which is a big deal. So I guess the first thing that they do, or the first thing that I wrote down, correct me if I'm wrong, but is uh, the town hall leaders go to the book, Mm -hmm. and it tells them that they have to start cleaning up Bonanza City. Well, yes, but technically how it starts off is they wake everyone up, and then Taylor just decides to bitch out Zach immediately. Oh, yes, yes. That's what happens, technically. But the first real thing that happens is they read the book. (laughs) (laughs) No, that scene was actually so crazy and just set up the whole rest of the episode. I know. She is a nasty little girl. Yeah, and I wrote down, like, she's only 10 years old and she's already acting like a mean girl. She's going to be the worst in middle school. She's She's going to be the... mean. If she hasn't changed, she is, like, actually the worst type of human being. Yeah. She's going to be a horrible person if she's like this as an adult. Hopefully she's changed. Let's hope. So my other question is, I had no idea they were just piling all their fucking trash, like, next to where they live. Yeah. What were they thinking? 
It's just unsanitary. I'm surprised that the producers allowed them to do that. I know. They probably had, like, rats running around. I mean, they did. They showed rats. Yeah. And then, so the funny thing is, when they're looking at the book, Anjay is like, why don't we just burn our trash? Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst idea. You guys are going to blow yourselves up. I know. And then, so they select everyone for garbage duty when they have, like, a town hall meeting because of a bunch of people. So it was, if I remember correctly, it was the two big kids on blue. So that would be Greg and his friend. No idea what his friend's name is. Mm-hmm. Then there was Laurel, Sophia, and I have no idea who else was on green. And then it was Taylor and Lila, um, who is like, she has her moments where she's fine, but she's so like manipulated by Taylor. It's insane. Yeah. Well, there were some points in there, too, where she was getting nasty, but... I know, but she voted against Taylor. Yeah. Which is funny. So then they're going to try and bury their trash. And mm-hmm. Taylor and Ly- Lila, was her name? Mm-hmm. Are being, like, such spoiled brats. They don't help at all. And then Laurel just, like, goes off on them, which is fucking hysterical. Yeah, she actually went off. And... Yeah. It did make me sad because it was their punishment, like Taylor and Lila. Yeah. So bad. But all of those other kids are like the all-stars. I know. They had like an all-star cast. They had literally all the kids who are probably going to win stars. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if the producers did that on purpose. I know. And then those two were just like being the most obnoxious drama queens ever. And I really don't like them because they had such a victim mentality. It was awful. It's so terrible. And aside from Taylor and Lila too, when Guylan is trying to dig a hole and he just literally can't. I felt bad for him. I wrote down that you got to call it quits at some point and let someone who actually is stronger than you knows what they're doing do it because no one wants to be in the sun next to a pile of trash. And he was just really down in the dumps because it was his first trying to prove himself as a town hall leader yes he couldn't use a shovel it was so sad i know it was really sad i love dk he is such a good guy such a good kid he genuinely cares about this town he's been kind of like on the back burner for a while too yeah but they've been showing him yeah this episode especially he was really yeah so taylor is literally just an anti-masker if we're going to use like modern day analogy, yeah. because she made a task that was about helping others, which was getting the water about herself being personally victimized. Right. So she yeah. turned something for the greater good and helping and protecting her society about her being personally victimized and not giving a shit about the others. She was literally an anti-masker. Yep. Well, what happened it was like she didn't take out the trash and then they were like, okay, your punishment is you have to take the buckets of water one by one and fill up this giant thing. I know. And I was like, okay, but you guys know that she's not actually going to do that. Like you guys know 100% that she literally physically can't, but also would never. Oh, I know. She would never do that because she is – a bad person. Yeah. What ends up happening is DK gets all pissed off about it and then takes charge and gets the entire town immobilized and stop what they're doing 
and just everyone carries buckets of water and fills the tank up, except for Taylor. Yeah. It's just funny because it took like 40 kids to do what Taylor was supposed to do by herself. Mm-hmm. That was an unrealistic punishment, but yeah, she still should have tried. I know. She should have put effort into it. That's the problem is that she didn't put any effort into it. She just decided to be a nasty person and play the victim instead of actually getting something done with her life. Well, and DK really united the town by being like, all right, everybody, like, if we all just do one pail of water, we'll be good. Like, Yeah, I know. And that was awesome. I like DK a lot, and I'm glad that they finally showcased him this week. Me too. So then the challenge was that they had to go into this pit. I think it was 1,600 gallons of baked beans, and there were pigs in there. 100 gallons of beans. What a waste of food. What a waste of beans. Oh, my I God. I know. And the whole point of the episode was showing, like, waste, right? Okay? They're talking about, like, oh, like, look what we're doing to the environment. It's so bad. And yet you're wasting 1,600 gallons of baked beans. Oh, my God. No, and it was – that episode just felt so – 2008 because there's like global warming and like pollution but so again like they I, don't give a shit about the environment i know exactly when this episode aired now because the uh streamer watching it on had those commercials right and mm-hmm. it was october i think like 20 something mm-hmm. so this is right before the election oh, like right before election day okay. which makes so much sense why they had um the last episode was all about elections yeah oh yeah that's very timely yeah so they had to go in this pit with these pigs and baked beans and get cans and if they got 75 cans total as a group within the time limit they got to choose between two prizes mm-hmm. and Gylan, i'm i might have misheard this so i'm hoping you wrote this down or something but Gylan said something about living in a zoo, so he's comfortable around pigs. Did you I hear that? I wrote that down, too. He lives at a zoo? I just wrote down, Gylan lives at a zoo, question mark? That's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> okay, what? he's from Massachusetts. But he is homeschooled. Okay. I, don't know if it, I don't know if he was just making a joke, like, oh, I like I live in a zoo. But, like, the way he said it made it sound like he actually lives in a real life zoo so then i wrote down after that um olivia was so sassy towards andre when he couldn't find a thing andre was really not doing well he was so bad but i was starting to wonder is you know she started being really mean to him out of the blue Mm -hmm. she's of that age or maybe she has a crush on him she might have a crush on him that's a good point because she just got really mean to him out of the blue and we haven't personally seen on tv her saying anything mean or them having a bad relationship until last week so yeah. you have a crush on him you're so right mm-hmm. and andre had a fantastic quote <laughs> basically he's like i can't i'm not good at like these physical challenges because my bones are still forming yeah so i wrote uh, also great excuse andre you don't have muscles because your bones are still forming <laughs> Which, what does that even mean? I don't think that's true. I think that's an excuse for not being a very muscular kid. Yeah. He's not a very thick boy. He's not a thick boy. That's okay, though. He's, he's just a kid. So the next quote I wrote down is from Taylor saying, I really wanted to kill the pig so bad. That is not a sane thing to say. She is wild. 
yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on with her, but she's bad. She probably didn't understand, like, how much of a brat she was looking like and how much people were actually paying attention to her. I hope that, like, she's really embarrassed by this as an adult. I'm sure she is. That's a sign of maturity and being an adult is being embarrassed by this nonsense. So then I wrote down, who the fuck is Nathan? When does Nathan come in? Shortly after that, he's on blue team and he's like struggling to do something to like get a thing. And they say his name's Nathan. And I'm like, I I swear to God, we've never, Nathan Gibbs. I've never seen this kid until this episode. And he had like 25 seconds of airtime. I know some of them you just like catch a glimpse of and you're like, where the hell did this person come from? Yeah. Like this kid, um, Brett Nordstrom is his name. I'm just looking at the names of them. We've seen him a single time and he like hurt his ankle or his like leg later in the episode. That's all he did. Wow. Imagine going through this and then they didn't bother showing you ever. I am sorry. I'm I'm stuck on, uh, reddit with people talking about how actually terrible taylor was like people who are on kid nation oh that's incredible she was terrible i won't give it away yet because i think we're gonna talk about that in another episode but yeah we are definitely who the hell was miguel all right let's get let's get back on track (laughs) okay so then greg like dove in which is disgusting then alex tried to top off blue he's like eight He's tiny. He's really cute. Mm-hmm. Got a can too late, but sucked. And he was so sweet about it, though. I know. He's such a nice seeming kid. He's like, he said something about never giving up unless it's a complete lost cause. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So then the, the standings. Okay. So red's the upper class. Green's the merchant class. Oh, sorry. Yellow are the cooks again, which sucks to these poor kids. And blue are the laborers. Mm-hmm. Thank God for green. I'm so glad they're not last. I wish they were first, though, so they could do all the cooking. But they wouldn't do all the cooking if they were first. Well, I mean, they can volunteer however they want, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that they can't do that as merchants, because the merchants are the biggest joke of a thing imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. They have a little bit of a job. Yeah, that's true. So then, do you want to tell us what the... uh with the rewards they chose between were? Yes. So uh, after they like very dramatically and very drawn out, like figured that, out that they had 75 cans. That took way too long. That host like has way too much fun with this. It's like kind of creepy. Yeah. Anyway, so they, as always get to choose between the two prizes and it's, the first one is fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And the next one is two dune buggies. I know. I am so glad that they chose the fruits and vegetables. I know. But you knew they were going to. I mean, they've all been talking yeah. about how terrible the food is. It was just kind of crazy to see, like, all of these kids being like, yes, vegetables. I know. But the thing, too, is, like, I don't think any of them, maybe Greg, besides that, I don't think any of them could legally drive a dune buggy. that's really funny some of the kids were like don't get the dune buggies you're gonna contribute to global warming because it's gas and it was like all right this is not your biggest problem i know 
seriously. That's not why you choose the fruits and vegetables because you're malnourished. But I was just thinking, imagine how fucking funny it'd be if they chose the opposite choices every week. So instead of having multiple bathrooms, they'd have a TV. Yeah. I think, I can't remember what the other one was, but then. Uh, A water slide. They'd have a TV, a water slide, a putt-putt golf course, dune buggies. There are two two more. I can't remember them though. I don't know. Barbecue and pizza. They've never chosen the the fun one, right? Never. Well, because the fun one's also really impractical, but imagine how funny it would be. <laughs> oh, toothbrushes. Oh, toothbrushes. They chose those, though, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They chose that over barbecue. Yeah, which I thought was kind of silly. Oh, I did, too. I mean, I, I 100% would have taken the barbecue. They needed protein. It's because Taylor was in charge. And Taylor was like, well, just kill another pig. Yeah. Taylor, I don't understand why she was the youngest and then all these like older kids let her bully them into making the decisions. Because she was a town hall leader. No, but I'm saying the town hall leaders all let her, like, she walked all over them. Yeah. Well, because they're all nice. <laughs> I know. Okay. Then Lila and Taylor were making a fucking scene and they made a fruit salad instead of washing the dishes. And Zach's like, I'm going to withhold your pay if you don't do your job. And then yeah. Laurel is like, good job. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, teach him a fucking lesson. Yeah, and uh, Zach was like, you're not going to get paid. And you guys f- can forget about the gold star forever. And it's I, like, I think Taylor's already given up on the gold star. Yeah, she's never going to. She's just is lazy. Then it, they have like the meeting and DK says he wants to leave, but then Guylin convinces him to stay, which is good. Oh, but before that, the entire town just started ripping on Taylor. Yep. They're all just united in how much they hate her. Yeah, I do feel badly for her a little bit, but at the same time, it's like she 100% deserved it. She has just been a brat on purpose this whole time it is bad she is the worst character in this show oh hands down but she's what keeps it interesting oh definitely it won't be as fun without a psycho like her yeah okay so then dk gets the star and gets 20k and he almost left yeah i mean that was so dramatic dude i thought he was gonna leave and then lose twenty thousand dollars how bad would that be well, and I'm sure the producers were like, no one can tell him that he's going to get the gold star. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. Like, imagine watching it back if he left, knowing that he was, like, a few oh, minutes away from, from 20K. That would be horrible. I know. And then he was so nice about it when he was talking about, like, how he's going to be able to help all those, like, siblings go to college now, which is not true because he has six siblings and 20K – across six yeah, people not that much money sad, but yeah but it contributes it was a great thought it was a great thought yeah greg will definitely be able to go to college now um dk you're not putting six kids through college with yeah he was like i like all six of my siblings myself i want my mom to go back and get an education it's like how much money do you think you just got yeah that's only twenty thousand. that's not two hundred thousand. but Still, either way, it really meant a lot to him, which was really Mm -hmm. sweet. Oh, and then at the end, he said, had some quote where he said something about 
this being a milestone for kids. I thought that was really funny. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, DK said, this is really a milestone for kids. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure thing. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in. As always, make sure to check us out on social media. You can find us at podcast underscore misfits on twitter.com and instagram.com as well. Yep. And remember to check out our blogs on our website. We write awesome blogs all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. You can check it out at misfitsandmysteries.com. Also, we're going to have a newsletter. We said we're going to push it off until 2021 because it's a really busy time of year for both of us. So it's going to be easier yeah. if we just do it then. And we'll do like a best of recap for the first one. Another reminder, we're going to be having our next week's episode is going to come out on like Tuesday or Wednesday because of the holidays. So look out for that. As always, stay spooky, misfits. Stay spooky, everybody. Bye. Bye.